This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. <coughs> well, there goes my voice already. Wow. Horwat, so I can take a drink of water. What were your initial thoughts of the Kraken game on Monday night? Um, it's good to see a team in Seattle. Um, I was... My initial thoughts were mostly that I was uh, hanging out with with old roommates uh, at the Smiling Moose. So I was watching the game. It was on. The second we got it on the TV, they were celebrating the first goal. So my initial thoughts were, this team is just not good, aren't they? It, the Kraken, they've been up and down all season long. But coming into that game, they had won five of their last seven, including three straight at home. They were kind of riding the ship, but the big question mark for the Kraken all season long was the goaltending, and the Penguins took full advantage of that from the word go. I mean, three goals in the first six minutes of the game, and all of a sudden, Philip Grubauer, who was a Vezina finalist last year, he's out. Joey Decord is in. For Joey Decord. Not even Chris Drieger, who's hurt, right? He's hurt, yes. Yeah. Not even Chris Drieger. Joey Decord, who I forgot existed entirely, but... Uh, welcome to Seattle, I guess. Like I said, it's not that good of a team right now. Sure, they're make, collecting some wins, but every team collects some wins. And I, like I said last episode, man, Vegas screwed them over. Mm-hmm. Vegas making the finals in their first year as an expansion team screwed over the expectations for Seattle. It hurts because, you know, not that Seattle's a bad team. It's just they're not great right now. They have a good foundation of things that can that they can build on. That, but that's exactly what a, an expansion franchise is supposed to be, not a cup contender right out of the gate. Because mm-hmm. if anyone remembers when the Vegas team was picked out of the expansion draft, it was laughed at. It was supposed yeah. to be bad. It was supposed to be very bad. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the Kraken lineup was supposed to be better, but we see where that's going. They're looking like an actual uh, expansion franchise, whereas the Golden Knights came in with, with the quote-unquote uh, golden misfits or something like that with the yeah, misfits that's what they were whatever called. and they were a great team off the cuff for no reason so mm-hmm. well see it's fun it's fun that seattle has a team it's cool that this the, the city is great and that they're getting a franchise back because they were promised a new basketball team and never got it so hey welcome welcome to the league kid mm-hmm. yeah no and you you even texted me and said Starting Casey to Smith on Monday felt like a real make it easy for the kids kind of thing. And, and it it did not end up that way. For Go sure. easy uh, on the new kid. Yeah, it, it did not end up that way for sure. But before we continue talking about the Penguins victory over the Seattle Kraken on Monday evening, I want to preview what you're going to see the rest of this episode here. After we finish talking about Pen- Penguins Kraken, we are going to briefly preview the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Washington Capitals, which is their next game coming up on Friday evening, so we'll talk about that, and then a little bit after that, we have an interview. It's been a while. It's been probably since, like, episode three of this season. We just, we were very busy last month, and we're not able to do it, but uh, we do have an interview coming up in the second segment of this show. We'll be joined by radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Josh Getzoff. 
as we talk about the Penguins, a little bit about RMU hockey, and we will discuss that Trevor Zegras goal, or I should say assist, from Tuesday evening. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll finish it off with shout-outs and call-outs, because if you're a regular listener, one, thank you, and two, you know that it's a Thursday episode, and we always finish our Thursday episodes with shout-outs and call-outs. Yeah, it's our first interview in a while. You mentioned last month was one of our more successful months, and I realized like a few hours later, wait, we didn't do an interview like the entire month. That's just me and you to the top with no features, J. Cole style. Yeah, exactly. So honestly, thank you to everybody that tuned in last month that has been tuning in this month and that has downloaded the podcast so we know where you're coming from, and that's really how we count our our views and everything is, is by download. So make sure you download every episode that you listen to. But uh, let's get back into the action. Penguins versus the Seattle Kraken. Obviously, those first three goals, nice goals by Jeff Carter, Sidney Crosby, and a beautiful shot, although deflected by Danton Heinen for his seventh of the season. Eberly able to come out and score on the Penguins, as he usually usually does. Makes it 3-1, to one, and it seemed like the Seattle Kraken were getting back into this thing. They controlled the pace of play. They controlled the puck possession, the entirety of basically the second period, and the end of the first period, to be completely honest. But then at the end of the second period, two late goals for the Penguins by Jake Gensel and Jeff Carter, his second on the night, make it 5-1. to one. And at that point, the third period, it didn't matter what happened. The Penguins were not going to end up losing this game. The Kraken lost all momentum after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's their team that still has to get used to things. It's big Jeff Carter and big Jake Gensel just doing their thing right now. Jake Gensel's on, the tear, like, on an absolute tear that... Boy, he's quietly sneaking up into, it's going to be weird to say, but the league goals race, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's you know not going to reach Dreisaitl, who was like five or six ahead, but he's one behind McDavid. Mm-hmm. One. At least the last time I checked the stats. I don't know if they if they played last night. but They, they did. McDavid had an assist. Hey, no goals, though. Yeah. Um, Jake Ensel keeps up this, fire, this streak for the next, what do you have, like six? just under 60 games left 50 some games mm-hmm. i mean you're talking an actual competition there between gensel and whoever else is up there at that point but that's a matter of last sustaining for 50 games but mm-hmm. um yeah the te- the kraken just couldn't handle what uh jake gensel's brought to them because that's also what 13 or is that the 12th game 13 or 12 games for Jake Gensel, that is now a 13-game point streak, including 12 goals in those 13 games and 7 assists. I mean, the last two games, he scored 5 goals. So. Good lord. And he was just given a Player of the Week? Yes. NHL yeah. Player of the Week, I believe. That's, that's exactly where he should be. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we actually asked Josh Getzoff about that, so stay tuned for his opinion on what Jake Gensel has been able to do. But uh, in the third period, like we mentioned, not much else going on. Gensel does make a make it 6-1 to one in that period with a beautiful shot over the blocker side of Joey Decord to make it 6-1. to one. I mean, it was all over. You could tell the Kraken didn't have much left in them. The Penguins were kind of gliding, as the Penguins tend to do in the third period when they're up big. They, they kind of take their foot off the pedal a little bit. You wish they wouldn't, but that's what they do. Uh, it was a nice win, though, for Casey DeSmith, his first on the season and first on, I believe, 10 games I did not check hockey reference and I meant to was that a quality start I would imagine it was a quality start for him I mean 28 saves on 29 shots a win and only one goal allowed I would think he finally cracks the goose egg on quality starts I would definitely assume so too especially because it was a win it was a big win and I mean when you pick up your first of the season finally it's 
important, and it was what six to one final score, correct? Fi- final score six to one Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, it was a quality start. He made twenty eight of twenty nine saves. Um, so yeah, just big stuff for him for finally getting into the win column, cracking a couple of goose eggs with a win and uh, a quality start. So yeah. does this mean we're back on the Casey DeSmith as backup train? No. No. As much as we may have said, hey, he needs that one game to get back into the swing of things and maybe we'll ease off. No, we're not easing off. Just made, I've made that decision. I'm not easing off of it. So we'll have to see if he starts this weekend because we mentioned and we'll talk about the fact that the Penguins do play the Washington Capitals to finish this road trip, albeit the fact that they are at home now. They're practicing at Lumiu Complex because, you know, you're only playing three hours away. You might as well go home. When you have this long of a break, but they do play the Capitals on Friday night and then they do play the Anaheim Ducks on Saturday. So do we see DeSmith once again? Possibly. And it would make sense. You just have to hope that uh, he is aware of passes that will go over the net and not just around <laughs> it. Because yeah, keep an Anaheim eye out Ducks. for Trevor Zegras. Yeah, which obviously we'll discuss later, but hmm. um, yeah, no, it's. If we do see DeSmith, I think we do have a little more confidence confidence in him now. So it's good to see that he picked up a win he got. And he looked good in it. It wasn't totally horrible. Second and, and third period, yeah. The first period, he had me nervous, as well as a lot of people. I mean, I, I was live streaming that game, and Kate Berry, who always tunes into the live streams, she was like, if he could stay on his angles, I would appreciate it. Yeah, hey, also, I totally forgot you were doing a live stream, or me, Tyler, <laughs> and James would have popped in with a, with a couple of messages. But... Uh, <laughs> Or comments, I should say. But still, oh, mm-hmm. good to see that th- those are still going well and you're grinding it out. You love it. Yeah. Um, just a couple more trends from Monday night. Penguins now haven't allowed a power play goal in 11 straight games, which is a franchise record. That penalty kill is tops in the NHL over 92% now, I believe. So they just keep on grinding on that penalty kill. We uh, actually have another interview coming up next week where we talk to Brian Metzer. He'll be on the show next week, and we talk to him a little bit about the Penguins' penalty kill and why that unit has been so successful. But uh, another trend from Monday night that has been going pretty strong and kind of quietly, Sidney Crosby, six-game point streak after starting the season pretty slowly. In those six games, three goals and eight assists for 11 points in the last six games. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back to a point per game. Mm Mm-hmm. It everyone didn't take be, long. Everyone be worried. He's back to a point per game. He got it there. He got there faster than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Last year it took him a little bit. It took him like half the season, I think, yeah. um, or something weird like that. But now thirteen games, thirteen points, four and nine split. Not bad. Still a minus three, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidney Crosby's back on the back on the wagon too. It's this is a team to be feared again. This mm-hmm. the whole small loss drought we went on a few weeks ago is just well in the past this team uh, is ready to make noise and it's a matter of remaining consistent it always is is it not yeah that, that that's usually the big the big question mark is if this team can stay consistent and there's going to be a measuring stick game on friday which we'll talk about but i do want to mention one other thing i want to ask your opinion on it uh, I, I asked it on monday night when i was on that stream i said you know penguins fans do you still hold it against hextall and burke which i don't think we did in the first place for letting go of both McCann and Tanev the way they did. I mean, right now that seems like that is the mo- the move that most Penguins fans, like that is their least favorite move of this new regime, which it's been less than a calendar year. So the fact that there's basically only one, uh, that's yeah. the only move that people really point out and say, you know, this was stupid. 
Oh, I mean, like you mentioned, they've they've only made four or five moves, if that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's also top five best. So it's yeah. Let's be positive about this. Mm-hmm. I think the McCann one's hard. It is, especially whenever you look at guys like Zucker or Kapanen just not playing to their abilities. I don't know if you're really filling too many holes with McCann over those two, though. No. Like, McCann's a good player and all, and he's having a great great year with Seattle, but that's because he's getting more opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, it, if you know, implementing McCann over a Jason Zucker would have made a difference. Yeah. Um, whereas Tanev, quite honestly, I, again, like, yeah, we loved him as a player here and as the locker room guy, but again, every year I said, how many times do I have to say it, I was taking it a year at a time. The fact that I don't have to worry about that stress every offseason now. Uh, I'm not saying I'll take it because you do miss him as a as a jolt of energy on the ice, but yeah. this these, this team is perfectly fine without the both of them. Mm-hmm. If you look at this these moves, the only other moves made in the offseason were concurrent with them and bringing in McGinn and Heinen, and they've filled the role as, as good as you can fill the role. I mean, you look at McCann and people are saying, oh, he's having a career year with 10 goals. Danton Heinen has seven. Dayton Heinen scored seven goals all of last year. We're still only 25 games in. He's on pace to get the most goals he's ever scored, playing the least amount of time per game that he has ever played in only 12 minutes of ice time. So uh, I, you knew this was going to come up. Honestly, we probably should have mentioned it on Monday prior to this game. But uh, seeing McCann's comments, and we talk about that with Josh uh, coming up here in a couple minutes, seeing McCann's comments, we I figured we should probably bring it up once more time before we set it to bed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's... He's not totally wrong. One thing we have to remember about McCann and Tanev on this team, though, is they are not Hextall or Burke picks slash... Acquisitions. Yeah, they're not their guys. Mm -hmm. They're from the old regime. And any time a new uh, management group comes in, or, yeah, general management group comes in, that's the first thing they want to do is they want to build their team. They won't. Now, will they build their team around guys that are already there? Absolutely, that's part. Oh of yeah. It. Uh, but they're going to build the team around guys like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, and everyone else isn't. It's not exactly just fodder that's ready to be shipped out, but it's. Um, there are some small pieces that maybe are big pieces to certain people that aren't going to be here, and that's just mm-hmm. the harsh reality of the organ of the sport and the business. Mm-hmm. And as for McCann's comments on we didn't want him, I don't want to necessarily say that's totally true, but clearly it was because we traded him for him to be taken by Toronto, to be mm-hmm. taken from Toronto and not us. Yeah. So, I mean, and you look at it in hindsight is 2020 with all of that stuff, but I also looked at that comment as athletes use anything they can as yes. motivation. That's probably what he's using. And I, I know a lot of athletes use when they get traded – going up against their former team, that's motivation for them to have a good game, to play well throughout the season. You know, this team didn't want me, let me prove them wrong, stuff like that. So I obviously didn't take it personally, if you're the Penguins. I I don't think they did. I think they went out there, played their game, and just absolutely smushed the Kraken by a total score of 6-1. to one. So let's let's look forward, finish looking backwards. Let's look forward here to the Penguins finishing up the road trip against the Washington Capitals on Friday evening at Capital One Arena in D.C., the nation's capital. The Peng, or sorry, the Washington Capitals in their last ten are now seven two and one, which is just 
more of what they've been doing all season long. This team is one of the top teams in the NHL right now. 9-1-4 at Capital One Arena, so not easy to beat them in their own building. The Penguins obviously going in there looking to avenge that 6-1 loss from last month in the first matchup between these two. But since then, the Penguins, that was kind of the turning point for them. They After that, they had a loss at home to Buffalo, where in the third period, you saw them play some of the best hockey they've played all season. And then from then on, they had the win streak. They lost a couple games, but now they're back on the winning ways with a couple straight wins to end the Northwest swing of this road trip. It was the catalyst. Yeah, like you mentioned, it was the catalyst. It was the game that Tristan Jari said he didn't like the way he played, whatever the quote was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the game that kicked him into gear. It was the game that, you know, kind of, I don't remember where Gensel started off with his uh, scoring trend, but... Right before that. Yeah, so he it was jolting him a little more. Mm-hmm. It was getting the guys on the same page of, hey, we just took a big, fat loss to um, a heated mm-hmm. rival. Let's, you know, regroup. Maybe part of the Buffalo game was them regrouping, and then we saw that third period in that Buffalo game where they popped off. They didn't score, but they popped off, and sometimes we just get goalied. Mm-hmm. It happens. We looked phenomenal in that Montreal game, but Jake Allen stole the show. So it's, we have to carry that momentum into Washington now. That's a big part of it. Like, I, like we mentioned, it was the catalyst the first time. Now let's hope that swing is still going. Mm-hmm. You know, The first time these two teams matched up, it was on a Sunday evening. So it kind of didn't feel like a, a huge matchup, even though usually Penn's Capitals, no matter what the, the cause is, no matter when it is, it's a big matchup. But this feels a little bit bigger. It's a Friday night matchup. Both teams have concurrent three-day breaks heading into it. Penguins getting a chance to go home, regroup from the road trip. These teams are both going to be, not healthy, but they're both going to be fresh with the players that are on the ice. It's Friday night. ESPN Plus exclusive. They're going to have the star cast. Yeah, you can finally watch the full game. Uh, They're going to have the star cast, which is a simulcast of the game, where it's going to be split screen into three. And Ovechkin and Crosby are going to be highlighted the entire game. I wonder if they're going to follow him into the locker room. But uh, the entire game, they're going to have those two on the screen, plus obviously the normal game on the screen. It feels like it's a big game here because it is a big game. The Penguins, they've been playing better. This is a measuring stick for them. Can they go into Capital One Arena and prove that, you know, we're in fourth place in the division right now, but we're a team not to be reckoned with after turning it around? Yeah. That's exactly what we need. It's it's an important game. It's still November, uh, December. It's still it's clearly not November. It's December. It's a little early, but it's going to be a big, important game and one that we hope to look back on and say those were two important points. So it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a huge goalie matchup. Tristan Jari, you would imagine, gets the start, especially after getting Monday night off, up against Ilya Samsonov, who, if you look at his numbers, very impressive season in his own right. I mean, you saw Vitek Vanacek go back, and you thought maybe they were going to be 1A, 1B, but Samsonov has really taken the reins there in Washington. And, of course, Crosby, who has, as we mentioned, six-game point streak, 11 games in six or 11 points in six games versus Alex Ovechkin, who's one of the top premier scorers in the league right now. It's going to be a great matchup. TJ Oshie's coming back for the Capitals. So it's going to be it's going to be another smackdown. Hopefully the Pittsburgh Penguins can come out and play a little bit better than they did the last time because if they can win this game, this sends a message to the entire league that, hey, we are back and we don't even have Malkin back. Like this is a game where you can say, all right, well, you looked at the road trip. 
They got embarrassed in Calgary. They got bodied by Connor McDavid. And then they beat two lower opponents in the Canucks and the Kraken. This is a game that says, hey, we can play with anybody in the NHL right now. That's exactly right. So following that, it is a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So you would think there might be a little bit of letdown afterwards. And, you know, you're going to get up for this game against the Capitals, and then you got to come home. You play the Anaheim Ducks, who are a great team in their own right. We saw the Capitals and the Ducks face off on Monday night. That game went into a shootout before the Capitals were able to take it. So a huge game on Saturday as well that the Penguins need to make sure that they're ready for following a huge rivalry night. Yeah, the Anaheim Ducks are a weird team. You can't take them lightly anymore, at least not this year. Mm-hmm. It's they're a shockingly good team in a in a division that I don't think anybody expected to be led by the Flames, Ducks, and Oilers. Mm-hmm. But here they are. The Ducks right now, as of this recording, are fourteen eight and five for thirty three points. Hey, that's a better uh, record than the Penguins have right now. Mm-hmm. So for what it is worth, the Penguins are going into the Saturday night game as an underdog, just on paper. I don't know who's on that team exactly. I don't remember now. Oh, they, they, it's it's a lot of young players. I mean, Ryan Getzlov is out due to injury, so it is Ooh. it is very much a young core there. I mean, you're talking guys like Sonny Milano, Trevor Zegris, Jamie Drysdale on the back end. There's a lot of young players on that roster, but I mean, at the same time, you even got your Adam Henriques, your your Jacob Silverbirds. They have about five or six or seven players that are up over thirty. It's just a nice blend right now, and it's working for Anaheim. It's working real well. Kevin Kevin Shattenkirk's still there. And doing well, 16 points. Offensively, he's doing well. I wouldn't say his whole game is is very good. but Has it ever? Uh, I don't know. He won a cup. Oh, yeah. But also, Maybe. they're being led by Troy Terry in points. 15 goals, 11 assists. Man, oh, yeah. man. That's I mean, a- this is a team that didn't score last year. Remember, Danton Heinen used to play for them, and that was the big knock on Heinen is he couldn't score there, but nobody could. Yeah, nobody could. Now they're starting to score at a little bit more of a commensurate rate. So uh, we'll have to, obviously, coming off that game on the Capitals, the Penguins cannot look past the Anaheim Ducks. or The the Penguins can't come into that game slow because the Ducks will take advantage. And the last thing you want to do when debuting a new third jersey is go out there and lay an egg. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a yeah, play well. They're a surprisingly good team this year that needs to be taken seriously, Mm -hmm. and it's the first time we're seeing them in a while too. Yeah, no, Penguins. This is the first matchup, obviously, of the year. They didn't face them last year and the year prior to that. uh, The last time we saw them was on that Western, on that California road trip, where the Penguins lost all three games. Yep. So So we got to bounce back from that too. Like that's the last time we saw them. And at the moment, I think we lost three to one or four to one or something like that in that game. I don't remember that game exactly, but at that moment, at this moment, they have the number. They're the man up. Yeah, they, they won the last game, which was two years ago or something like almost two calendar years ago. But uh, before we send it over to our interview with Josh Getzoff, Horwater, are you going to get a Pittsburgh diagonal eventually? I don't have the, the money bl- for the it. And I have the old one, so. Okay, fair enough. I'll probably get a Malkin one. <laughs> I have a but, blank uh, one, but it's the old one. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by the radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Josh Getzoff. Stay tuned for that, and then we'll also finish off with shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. 
But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are now joined by a very special guest, a first-time guest of the show, we welcome on Josh Getzoff, the radio play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Josh, how's it going today? Guys, uh, first time, long time, right? That's what I'm supposed to say here. <laughs> Good to be with both of you. Thanks for having me on. We like the idea that you've been listening for a long time, so thank you for that. Uh, we appreciate that. And yeah, that is what you're supposed to say when you go on radio shows, I guess. I haven't heard it in a while, but uh, yeah, love that saying too. <laughs> Hundred percent. So uh, uh, let's just dive right in here to, to the questions because jo- Josh, we have a couple very uh, hard hitting questions towards the end, especially. Um, let's start off with an easy one. I mean, Jake Gensel has been extremely, extremely good this season. Has only been held scoreless four times in this entire season. Right now on a crazy point streak. What have you seen from him this year that has seemingly taken him to another level in the offensive zone? You're right, guys. He's been on another level. I mean, I, I referred to it on our broadcast on uh, uh, Monday night in Seattle that he's been basically a cheat code with how he's been playing right now for the Penguins. I mean, the, the points in 13 straight games, he's up to 16 goals on the season, obviously leads the Penguins in goals and points uh, as they get ready for some big games later on this week. But to me, the biggest thing for him is the maturity and the growth that we've seen in him this year. And by that, I mean, you think back to what was it? Probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, he challenged himself right in front of the media, and he said, "Listen, I'm not producing. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing out there." And really, from that point on, it was kind of the Ottawa game. Even though the Penguins got blown out in that loss to the Senators, from that point on, he started putting up points per game, and he hasn't just done it in a quiet fashion. I mean, we've seen the hat trick in Vancouver. We've seen the big goal. I thought a massive goal in Seattle on Monday night to kind of pull that game back in the Penguins' favor and take it, uh, obviously, a step further towards two more points for the team. So I just think that he's been a consistent performer, but also a mature player in knowing that he is so important to this team's success. Took it personally that he wasn't doing it to his liking earlier in the year and has obviously taken it up uh, more than a couple of notches since then to where he is now. Now, I will say, guys, just quickly, he did not practice with the Penguins today, and it'll be interesting to see because, remember, he took that shot off his hand in the win over the Kraken. The crazy part is he scores two goals after that happened, but I'm sure Mike Sullivan will have an update um, as far as what the status is for him. But uh, definitely something to monitor there with how good he has been and how important he has always been, but certainly has become this season to the Penguins' success. 
Yeah, and of course he's been important to the success, but beyond Gensel, Evan Rodriguez has had an unexpected uh, breakout this year. What has been behind his uh, growth as a player on this team? And Because he's a player that you wouldn't normally expect to be playing like this. Oh, you're right, guys. And he's never gotten a chance to play like this either. And I think that's a big thing, too. You have to remember that his coach, Mike Sullivan, from the second the Penguins had the opportunity to acquire him uh, from Buffalo, along with our old friend Connor Sherry a couple of years ago, uh, Sullivan was all in. There's a BU connection there. They're both former Terriers, uh, Sullivan and Rodriguez. But I think also when you look at Evan Rodriguez, he kind of fits the mold of what Mike Sullivan likes his forwards to be. He can take face-offs, as we've seen even with Crosby as his centerman. He's taken a lot of draws, specifically in the offensive zone at the right-wing circle. Um, but he's a, you know, he's a speedy guy. He's not hesitant to shoot the puck. He has a heck of a shot when he lets it go. Uh, probably one of the more underrated shots on the team. And I think he's one of the more trigger-happy guys on the team, too. I mean, he's setting up for the one-timer on the power play, and really he's the only guy that seems like he's ready to do that when the Penguins are on the man advantage. So uh, I think that there's it's a mix of things with him, to answer your question. I mean, one is the opportunity that he's getting. Uh, that obviously, as I said, has not been afforded to him at any point in his career. And give him credit. He's taken complete advantage of it with what he's been able to do uh, with Crosby and Gensel. And even, you know, when he was in between Zucker and Kapanen, he was making things happen as well. So uh, I think that this is a guy that has proven his worth. And remember, he chose the Penguins. There's a weird, funky road for him over the last couple of years being traded, you know, being brought back, signing as a free agent here. There was no guarantee coming into camp that he was even in the top 12 forwards. But I think what we've seen now uh, with the injuries, even when guys come back, it's a pretty hard question as to whether or not you even take him out of the top six because he's fit in so well, uh, especially with Sid and, and Jake. And, and that kind of opens things up for maybe broadening things and, and pushing your depth out a bit further uh, when Brian Rustin of Kenny Mall can come back into the lineup. The Penguins wrapped up their Northwest swing of their road trip on Monday with a 6-1 to win in Seattle. But to make it a little bit more personal on this uh, on this episode here, what has been your favorite road trip to go on in your years traveling with the team? I mean, you've been with the Penguins since at least 2015. What is your favorite road trip to go on with them? Uh, I would say that there are two that are at the top of my list, guys. The first one was the one we just went on. You tacked Seattle onto it. Uh, it's, it's dynamite. I mean, I never had been to Seattle before in my life, uh, before that road trip, got to check it out on the day we had a practice there, um, was able to walk around that Pike place market, see them throw the fish, you know, all, all the touristy stuff. I saw the original Starbucks. I was not going to wait in line for 35 minutes for a cup of coffee. I'm not that obsessed. Uh, but I did see it. I, I checked it out and I really liked Seattle. Obviously the rink was phenomenal. It's one of the best in the league as it should be brand new this year. Um, but I would say the Western Canadian trip, I just love those buildings in Calgary. I love Vancouver. It's an awesome city. Um, beyond that, a lot of times we'll do a combination of Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. Um, I really like Denver. That's one of my favorite cities to go to. I, I just I love the mountains in the background. I love the sunshine there. Uh, obviously, you get to see Nathan McKinnon and guys of that nature, Kale McCarr, when you go out there and play that team who we don't see all the time. So that one, you know, is high on my list. Um, and I know the easy thing is to say Florida. I'm not as big on Florida as I am with some of the other Sunbelt. And, I, you know, you kind of stretch the term Sunbelt when you name some of the teams I'm about to. But I love going down to Raleigh, uh, the Hurricanes. It's always a great town, uh, great atmosphere. Penguins fans turn out so well there. And 
I'm a huge country music guy. Uh, I've loved it for a long time, so you know where I'm going. But Nashville is, is right at the top of my list, too. I, I don't love the building as much. I don't think Bridgestone Arena is that great of a uh, building, especially where we call the games from. But the city, uh, just hearing the live music, everything that's there, it's kind of right up my alley for what I like to do when I'm not at the rink. So um, I, I love that place. And, and that, those would be some of the places I really look forward to going to. I like that. Those are different answers. I'm used to hearing a lot of people say like Montreal or Toronto. Um, oh yeah. No, those are up there too. I, I feel like, you know, I, I love Montreal's building and I love Montreal as a city. Um, I'd probably put that up there as well. Toronto, I'm still kind of okay with, I mean, it's, it, you know, don't get me wrong. It's great being up there. Hockey night in Canada games that we've had the chance to do up there are an awesome atmosphere and there's nothing quite like Toronto on a Saturday night. Ditto for Montreal, but I still put those other places, at least personally for me, a little bit higher. It's not bad. So like you mentioned, we just wrapped up our game in Seattle, our first time playing in Seattle. It's our first time playing against uh, Brandon Tanov and Jared McCann since they left the team. What changes for a team whenever they play against former fan favorites like that? Like we think of, you know, Tanov, but then there's also Flurry or uh, Phil Kessel for a little while. Like what changes in the dynamic of a game for those kind of games? Yeah, guys, I don't think there's a whole lot of a, a difference for the Penguins. Um, I definitely think that they feel the energy on the other side, though. And as you should, right? Like you're facing your former team, a team that is Jared McCann. So uh, succinctly said uh, before the game against the Kraken, didn't want you. He's not lying. They traded him away. The Penguins exposed Brandon Tanev. They exposed Marc-Andre Fleury. It's not that they didn't like those guys, but they felt they'd be better off without him. And, you know, if I was a player, That'd be a game that I would have circled on my calendar for the same reason. I mean, you, you want to prove those guys wrong. You want to sh shove it in their face, so to speak. Um, I think it's interesting, too, though, that, like the last couple of expansion teams, it shows you how, many, how much turnover has happened on Penguins rosters really over the last decade or so because, you know, there were four guys on the Kraken roster on Monday night, McCann, Tanev, Riley Shea, and Jamie Alexiak. You go back to 2017 when we were in Vegas for the first time and faced the Golden Knights, you had the flower. But you also had David Perron and James Neal and Derek Englin. I mean, there are a lot of former Penguins uh, littered around the league. Kind of speaks to just how many guys have been in and out of the organization over the last handful of seasons, too, as the teams tried to you know, get back to that championship platform. But um, to answer your question, I definitely think it's more from the opponent than it is for the Penguins themselves. Like, I really believe Mike Sullivan when he says we're just going to play our game and focus on ourselves. And I think the guys in the room take that. Uh, to heart and really have you know put that into practice more times than not for how the Penguins have approached games under Sullivan but overall I think you know you look at the game on Monday night like and this isn't a knock on Jared McCann who's having a great year for Seattle but to me and I said this to, to Borky after the game that's kind of the Jared McCann that we remember right like that that was the guy that was in Pittsburgh like he had his flashes he had his moments coming up the ice where you thought something might happen a couple times a game but otherwise you didn't really notice him that much. And Brandon Tanev was physical, uh, and he's obviously having a career year for the Kraken, and I love that guy. I mean, he's one of my favorite players I've worked with with the Penguins, so I have nothing bad to say about him. But, again, like th those guys aren't necessarily going to be the game-breakers in that kind of a situation. So I definitely think, you know, you look at the two of them subtracted, you look at some of the guys the Penguins have added, and Dan Heinen and Brock McGinn that seem to fit the mold of what they're trying to do, and uh, they seem to be, I don't want to say better off for it because that's something that's a long play as far as seeing where the teams go and the, you know, with those respective guys on their rosters. But they're clearly, if you look at where the teams sit in the standings right now, they're in a better space. 
So, Josh, I don't want to assume that you, you've seen it, but I would imagine you saw the Dr- Trevor Zegers assist last night, the, the Michigan assist. Oh, yeah. So if the Penguins were to pull off something similar to that, who would be on each end of it? Who would be dishing the pass over the net and who would be finishing it? I did see that, and I actually had not considered that question. So here's what I'm thinking as far as the guys that just popped in my mind when you asked me it. Uh, the guy who's flipping it, it's got to be Kasperi Kapanen, right? Like he's the fancy guy. He likes to do some things a little bit extra, put the show on for the camera. I could see him behind the net. You know, just, you know, trying to get it up in the air and flip it over the the net to try to get batted in. And as far as the guy who's knocking it into the net, to me, it's Sidney Crosby. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the guy with the best hand eye in the league, uh, maybe aside from Joe Pavelski. And I love watching him, you know, score these unique goals in and around the net. How many times does he bank stuff off a goaltender and in? He he finds these little seams around the goal. I feel like it would just be the next notch on the belt for Sid as far as crazy goals were concerned. And uh, I could see Cappy being the guy who flips it to him from behind the net. Yeah, we've kind of seen Crosby do it before with that overtime goal in New Jersey a few years back where it was right off the post and he baseball swung it in. Um, But even more than that, because this is something that's a little more local and important to college hockey in Pittsburgh, but what was it like playing at at the RMU Celebrity Faceoff and what does it mean for – um, the city of Pittsburgh to have, to maybe get RMU hockey back. Yeah, well, you guys, I'm sure just like you, I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh, like RMU is the college team here. And when the, when I found out, when I saw the news, like everyone else kind of learned unexpectedly and out of nowhere, it was pretty shocking that it wasn't going to be around and they were getting rid of it. I mean, you, you had some great programs come in here. I know with the Penguins, we hosted the Three Rivers Classic for RMU uh, multiple times, which was always a fun tournament to see some great college hockey right in our own backyard. Um, but even the strides that Derek Schooley's program and the women's program as well, getting to the NCAA tournament had made, uh, you knew you kind of could see things going in the right direction as far as, hey, eventually there's going to be an RMU alum in an NHL uniform. Now, I know we've had Furman South referee a game, Brandon Blandina, uh, you know, linesmen in the NHL, uh, guys that have been to the show, so to speak, that have RMU ties. But eventually there was going to be a player like it, it was going to happen. You were starting to see these guys get on a bigger and bigger scale, get to the NCAA tournament. It's going to happen. And I was crushed when I saw that. Um, so, you know, when I was asked by Derek Schooley to participate in that game, it was a no brainer for me. One, I, I'm always happy to do stuff like that, too, just to get the awareness out and try to raise funds for the program was awesome. And also, I mean, got to be with a lot of guys that I've come to know pretty well being with the Penguins and, uh, you know, around the organization and just in Pittsburgh in general that I've come to be friends with and respect. And I mean, we had a blast like that was that that event. I mean, I, don't, I didn't know what to expect from a turnout perspective or anything like that. There's almost a thousand people in here that night. And that's like pretty much the capacity for uh, the Lemieux Sports Complex for a game and standing room only. I mean. Derek Schooley and his crew just did such a nice job of making that a first-class event. Uh, the auctions were unbelievable, some of the items in there. Uh, and I just I couldn't say enough good things about what they were able to do and the fact that I was included in it was, you know, pretty humbling and, and exciting for me to be a part of it as well. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, and I've donated, and I encourage everyone else out there to donate their money if they're able to or, you know, their time, their effort, whatever you can to, to put the best foot forward, to not just give RMU a lifeline, but to give them a sustainable source uh, to have hockey here for the future. I don't think we all want to see it just come back for a year or two. We want this thing here permanently uh, for the men and the women. And uh, hopefully we can get that done here in the not too distant future. 
Well, Josh, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. I want to give you a minute or so here at the end of this interview just to let everybody know where they can find you on social media and anything coming up as far as you're concerned, whether it be with the Scoop podcast or anything that's coming up for you that you want to you want to throw out here so the listeners know what's coming up next. Sure, yeah, guys, appreciate that. So I'm I'm on Twitter at uh, pen excuse me pens jg p e n s j g, and then Instagram at jg puck p u c k, um, and I you know I try to post frequently on there. Try to bring some in- inside stuff from the road, especially on my Instagram uh, that that I feel like people you know maybe appreciate or don't get to see normally. So definitely going to continue to do that as as early as this Friday when we go to Washington and hopefully get some retribution on the capitals for what happened in that first meeting. Um, But, you know, those are the two main social media channels. I'm working on a few things with the scoop podcast. You can expect an episode with Brian Boyle to come out uh, somewhat shortly. And I know we talked about Evan Rodriguez as well, and I'm, I'm hoping to sit down with him for a podcast also in the not too distant future. He has a really interesting backstory uh, and roots just as far as how he got into hockey that um, I'm hoping to be able to share on that podcast as well. So, those are a couple things that we have in the hopper. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm actually, after I sit, uh, finish this conversation with you guys, I'm going to sit down with Ron Hextall uh, for the latest GM show, which is every other week on 105.90X in Pittsburgh. Um, and then the other weeks that it's not on is the Highmark Coaches Show with Mike Sullivan. So those will be continuing steady uh, until the Olympic break when obviously Sully has uh, bigger fish to fry. Um, and then we'll uh, pick back up on the other side. So Uh, definitely looking forward to bringing all that uh, information and content to you guys and appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much, Josh. And as always, you are welcome back whenever you decide that you want to come on or we'll, we'll, we'll send out the lifeline at some point here to, to get you back on the show. Someone probably towards that Olympic break or maybe a little after you send the lifeline. I will catch it guys. I look forward to joining you again. Thanks for having me. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. I know I have a couple bets in tonight. I got a nice parlay on Tuesday where I hit both Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning on the money line. The two T's getting me some money. So uh, definitely check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, promo code THPN at sign up for great odds and opportunities. Also, you can do daily fantasy. I don't just because I'm not great at fantasy in the first place. So why would I want to lose daily at it? Exactly. Um, but uh, let, let's go into shout-outs and call-outs. Uh, one more thank you to Josh Getzoff for joining the show. We appreciate him giving us his time, especially, I mean, in between practice and talking to general manager Ron Hextall, he was able to finish in, fit us in. So uh, thank you to Josh for joining the show. But uh, let's get into shout-outs and call-outs. Horwat, who are you shouting out today? Cool. Uh, we kind of mentioned it last episode of good old Big Ben Roethlisberger maybe in the midst of his final year. So I do want to shout him out for – so, you know me, diehard Steelers fan. No. Oh, yeah. Um, Since birth. So that's part of the reason why I am going to shout him out because there have been three consistents in my life as a football fan, which is – and my football fandom in my life goes in three three little stances. It's, you know, the early life where I was super into it, 
You know, I loved the Steelers. I loved Ben Roethlisberger. I watched them win a couple Super Bowls, and that was awesome. I was real young. Then there was the angsty teenager years where I kind of fell out of it, didn't care for them. Um, I did watch them lose the Super Bowl, but at that point I was kind of already out of it. Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm working with the fan and being around football a little more, I'm back into it and I'm enjoying the sport again as an adult. There have been three consistents. One of them is Renegade, the second is Mike Tomlin, and the third is Ben Roethlisberger, who used to be my favorite player as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the dude has put up a Hall of Fame career, and if this really is his final year I mean, in Pittsburgh or whatever it may be, we still don't know for sure because he's only focused on the next game. <sighs> um, which is great sports talk. But regardless of what any of this may be, it's uh, that's going to be an emotional close to the season regardless of how the team looks, of how good or bad the record is. Like I mean, hey, they pulled out a hell of a win against Baltimore. It's always fun seeing a Harbaugh lose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just want to shout out Big Ben Roethlisberger for his career, regardless of what happens at the end of it. I think mm-hmm. it's a nice little nod, just because we don't know what the future holds, and a lot of a lot of former teammates, no less, have been saying that this is it for him, that he's cooked and he's done. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, regardless of how everything looks down these last few weeks, good on him, Hall of Fame career, and thank you for a hell of a childhood. <laughs> Couple of Super Bowls in there, yeah. I think you need to thank Dick LeBeau and that defense a little bit more than you need to thank Ben for some of those Super Bowl <laughs> moments. But, uh, no, fair enough. Uh, fair, I like how you said you were in it for the first two Super Bowls and then you left a little bit and then came back when they went and lost to the Super Bowl. That was only a two-year gap between winning winning 43 and losing 45. But Yeah, I think you know. it just, you know, puberty hit right in there. <laughs> Life comes at you fast, what? Yeah. Uh, no, for, as far as Ben Roethlisberger is concerned, listen, a couple of weeks ago on this very segment – I faded the Steelers hard. I faded the Steelers very, very hard, and I said, you know what? They're not going to win more than two games the rest of the season. They've only won one since I said that. They're one and two. Um, They lost two very bad games the past two weeks, including, uh, not the last two weeks, but uh, prior to that, including getting crushed by Cincinnati. But uh, anything that Ben Roethlisberger says about his last season, I usually take not only with a grain of salt, I look at him, I say, shut the fuck up. Um, because he said it five five years in a row. Like, he, he's, you know, this might be my last season. And then at the end of the season, he's like, ah, one, one last ride. You but know? then he signs but a three-year contract, and now we really don't know what to believe. But then yes. he adjusts it, so it's over this year. Yeah, no. I get it. it. it, it he, he's been retiring for the past half decade. So whenever he says stuff like that, I just, in one ear, out the other. But what I actually noticed is in that game where they were getting absolutely throttled, by the Cincinnati Bengals, which is their last game in the state of Ohio this year, at least in the regular season. You never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. It's their last game in the state of Ohio, which happens to be Ben Roethlisberger's home state. He was not taken out of the game when they were down 41-10. to 10. That tells me, oh, that's more of, yeah, he's done after this year because he wanted to finish out the game in his home state, his final game in Cincinnati where he has been so successful his entire career. That's why that game against the Cleveland Browns where the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to win in Cleveland meant so much to Ben. He was almost near tears at the end of that game. It's because he is done after this season. And if he wants to, you know, come around with the maybe it's my I'm focused on the last next game, I'm focused on the next game. We all know it's it's going to be it should be his last season. If it's not, 
it's just going to be another bad year for the Pittsburgh oh, Steelers because, listen, he's able to show flashes, and we saw the signs, and we've seen it on the Pat Mac if you show, hey, he ain't as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. He is the Toby Keith now. He is the Toby Keith. So he'll he'll be able to do flash in the pan. It was nice to see them beat the Ravens, but that's still only one win. I, I think they got one left in them. I even gave them, when I went on that rant a couple weeks ago, I gave them, I said, they'll probably beat the Ravens once because that's what happens. That's just what happens. <laughs> but they're not going to win, like, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. They're not. I mean, if this whole win one for the Gipper thing gets them into the playoffs and gets them on a run, I'll be happy as a fan. But uh, looking at this team, they're still just, they're not good enough. It's, yeah. It's, they're not. It sucks, but um, it's just a weird team. I mean, also, I, from what I remember, they didn't have a ton of expectations going in, really. At least it didn't seem like it. We really didn't no. know what Najee Harris could be. We all thought Ben was cooked. We just thought, hey, the defense is going to be great, but we're not going to be able to score. Well, now all of a sudden, we still can't score that much, but the defense yeah. is what? It's a lot of question marks. Suddenly. The defense the is defense TJ Watt and his merry men. Yeah, it's it's basically been that. I mean, the defense can't stop the run. That, that's basically it. They can still rush the passer with the best of any of them, still leading the league in sacks, but the way that they got absolutely throttled by Joe Mixon and, and then also the week before that by – DeAndre, or was it the week before? I don't know. By DeAndre Swift and the, and the Detroit Lions, the way that they just ran it down the Steelers' throat, that was uh, that was telling for me, so much yeah. so that I'm kicking my uh, laptop charger into the desk. But uh, my shout-out for this week goes out to Kevin Hart uh, because of True Story, the show that he has on Netflix. It's a, I believe, six- or seven-part Netflix limited series. One of the best things I've watched all year long, whether movie, show, whatever. That's It, it was one of the best things that I have seen all year long. I mean, Wesley Snipes. I forgot that Wesley Snipes was still a person, and let alone a really great actor. That you know, him playing Carlton, the brother, uh, it was great. And also getting to see Theo Rossi of Sons of Anarchy fame in a very, very different role. He definitely was not a biker dude in this show, but uh, nice to see Theo Rossi jumping back into the the small screen. And it was just overall a great show and a great experience. So I highly suggest if you haven't already. Check out True Story. Me and my fiance Kayla crushed it in about two days. That's how that's how good it was. We couldn't stop watching it. Uh, yeah, Megan. Megan does want to watch it. We have to finish up Shameless first, and by finish up, I mean she has to catch up and then watch the last season. What season is she on? I mean, I don't. There's what eleven total seasons. Yes. What season is she on? Is she on season ten at least? Seven. Seven. Yeah, she. Oh, she Megan. stopped watching a while ago and actually kind of forgot where she was. So. Ugh. Ugh. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. We're to at, be fair, Shameless is one of those shows where it's like, when you're watching it, it's so good. I'm, when it yeah. goes away, it takes you forever to start it because you look at it and you're like, yeah, but it's just Shameless. And then you watch it and remember how good it is. Plus, those last Fiona seasons were kind of rough. I stopped liking her character a lot. Because I feel, feel like she stopped liking doing the show and the writers stopped liking her too, so they gave her a crappy storyline. Yeah, Everybody it's... knows Lip's the best character, right? Lip and Carl. Uh, it's up for discussion. Lip and Carl. I can't think of... Oh, unless you're like our buddy Tyler and uh, Kev Ball. Is... Oh, no. Kev, Kevin's great. Kevin's Kevin great. is great. He's one of the best comic relief characters of uh, the late 2010s. Yeah. yeah it's, you know. a, it's a hell of a show that I... You're right. I do forget about, but then I also always remember crushing entire seasons in a, in a day in oh, college. Yeah. So... It, it, it's addicting. Yeah. Which is kind of apropos for that show. <laughs> Damn, so, son. It uh, is. 
<laughs> Let's move over to call. Sorry, go ahead and finish before. Yeah, I was, was going to jump. Just say it. Just jump us over to callouts. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start or shall I? Because. Uh- I'll start. You know, I'll start. I'll let you close out the show because I feel like you're going to have a better one than me. Um, my call out is for one person specifically, but it also kind of I hope it ricochets and hits all the marks on Twitter and all the uh, all the what am I looking for? Not marks, but all the uh, the negative people on Twitter that say that, that was a high stick on Tuesday night for the Sonny Milano goal that was flipped up to him by Trevor Zegras. It was not. It was close, but it. After seeing that, the refs are not going to be like, you know, let me get the tape measure out. Yet two centimeters over the bar, that's not a goal. No, I mean, at that point, that's a goal. You gave, you allowed that to happen. It is a goal. It is, it is something that if somebody would have actually pressured Trevor Zegers behind the net, there was zero chance. But he sat back there, could have read a magazine, could have watched a season of Shameless, and still make that play. That's why the play was made. And obviously, I'm talking about the Michigan assist where he flipped it up on his own stick over the back of the net and Sonny Milano hits it in. But uh, my actual call-out is Uko Pekka Lukanen, who is the goaltender, legendary name, but a goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres. It was his season debut saying that, well, if I was the referee, it would have been a high stick. I that mean, was his season was debut? Clear. That was his season oh debut. Oh, my God. He played in three games last season, which was his first NHL action, and this was his season debut this year. And... That happened to him. So, not a great for uh, for uh, opening the season for Uko Pekalekinen and uh, sour grapes, sir. That's all I'm saying with his his responses after the game. That's sour grapes. You you allowed a bad goal. Uh, you should just take it, not say and complain about the officiating, which there's been more issues than high sticking the puck into the net. But quite a few. Also, they've used the Sabers have used five goalies already this year. I don't know if I'd be able to name them all. It's it's Lekkanen, or Uko Pekka Lekkanen, whatever his name is, Luokanen, or what, however you say it. It's Finnish, I believe. Uh, Craig Anderson has been in there. Has Hauser played? No. No. They're all players that have, aside from Uko Pekka Lekkanen, that have NHL histories. Has Aaron Dell played? Yes. I'm missing two. You're missing two. To be I fair, one of them is also only for one game. Yeah, um, I don't know who else would. I, there's one in my brain, but I can't actually put the name together. It's kind of like scrambled. So just let me know who the other two are. It's Dustin Tokarski, who has yep. the most, who's the most games played of them for 14. Yeah, and Malcolm Subban, newly acquired. Oh, that's right, Subban just got there. Uh, no, Tokarski shut down the, the Penguins in that two to one game. I don't know why I forgot about that. But yeah, uh, yeah. When the Sabers were off to a really hot start. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you can say the same thing about the Sabres for, like, four of the past five seasons. The one year they were, like, 11-2-1, and one, and they still missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's just funny seeing this year. I think it, they obviously weren't 8-0-3, oh, but they're now 8-14-3, and, and it feels like they just lost 14 in a row. Yeah, they went from a team that was, like, serviceable and actually playing decent hockey to, yeah, you're still the Sabres. Yeah, this it's that's ugly. But yeah, that was a fun goal. And also, I can remember... A long time ago, Sonny Milano was, I don't know if it was, if he if he himself was on Vine, but he got popular through a couple of viral Vines and YouTube videos of him doing trick shots. So seeing his name popping in and that did not shock me at all. Yeah, and his part was actually the easier part. I don't know. Keep it under the, it, it's not easy. There was no easy part of that goal other than the fact that the Sabres didn't play defense on it. Um, 
Yeah, no. It's not surprising that it's Sonny Milano. Very much not surprising that it's Trevor Zegers. They asked him after the game on ESPN+, Plus, had you done that before in practice? Have you seen that before? He's like, I've never seen it done before. But I did that all the time at U.S. National Development Program. I'm like, oh, really? Surprising that you and you know Jack Hughes and all those guys were just messing around doing that at practice? Yeah, not surprising in the least. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but keeping it in the hockey realm for this call-out, I do want to call out whoever the hell is designing hockey jerseys these days. <laughs> what a mess this has become. Which one's, a, which one's specifically offend okay. you because it feels like you're almost offended right now oh because it is offensive because there have been quite a few badgers he's come out in recent weeks shout out to the penguins for having a damn good uniform come out it's kit, easy kit remember we're calling them kits now i don't know if i told you this. oh yeah uh sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna call them jerseys because that's all we're seeing from this also the the trigger one here is these uh i almost called it the smashville jerseys the nashville predators Winter Classic? Is it the Winter Classic jersey? Or is it Stadium uh, Series? Whatever it is, it's ugly. It's gross. Stadium the, Series, because the Winter Classic is Minnesota somebody. Also, ugly jersey. That Minnesota jersey for that. Yeah. Bad. Um, but just... the 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 I get what they're going for with the difference. Like, they're trying to make it look like a, a music poster. It doesn't look like that. Mm-mm. It's... The, the, the S's... The, some of the letters are cut off. Yeah, no, the letters are different sizes. The, oh, yeah, the letters are different sizes. Some of them look cut off. Like, you couldn't even complete the letter if you're going to be doing it this way. Uh, but that's the one that triggered this whole thing. At least the Lightning have a good one. That's not bad. It it was weird. But it's good. It, it looks it, like an how, inline how, jersey, but it's good. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't bad, especially comparatively. It was yes. not bad. So yes. um, can't complain too, too much about it. But then let's go back a little further. The USA jersey we talked about. Awful. I, and the, the longer I looked at the Team Canada jerseys, I stopped liking those. Oh, come on. I, do I, I, still to, like the, I still like those kits. Do I have to say the turkey butthole thing? Okay, well, <laughs> you know. We continue back. You mentioned the Minnesota uniform. Uh, who else am I missing? Who else? I mean, out of the entire reverse retro thing at least a lot of those were hits there was a ton of misses though there were so just whoever there's just been this bad trend of uniforms lately let's even go as far back as the penguins flyers stadium series where they went with the black and like the all yellow logo which was just weird yeah what has this trend been where we're just throwing nonsense onto the oh also i didn't even mention the new jersey 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 Listen, I know you. I know you vouched for it. Hey, stop it! That is a good jersey. <laughs> they're wearing that tonight. Well, tonight is Wednesday night, so this comes out on Thursday. But they're wearing that Wednesday night. Reserve your judgment till you see it on the ice, at least. I will. I will because I also didn't hate it to the fullest. But it's okay. just New Jersey fans did, I, which I don't understand. I figured they would have liked it because you know it's them, literally. It's just different, and it's not what. I think they should have done, I guess. I don't know. It's just different. And also, I do like that they've just fully gone in on hat, shirt. Yeah. Good for them. for the bit. Yes, at least good for them for committing to the bit. But let's just tell it like it is. It's not one of the better jerseys in the league. And there's just been a trend of awful, awful, awful jerseys being put out. Thank you to Team Finland. And someone else put out a really good one in the Olympics. 
Um, oh, Sweden, because there's this basic. Here's Trey Croner, yellow and blue. We're not changing anything. Good on them. Whereas everyone else, my God, this is bad recently. Yeah, I mean, listen. As far as Team USA was, it was bad. It, it looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch commercial. But uh, it, it was bad. But Team Canada's was all right. I mean, at the, at the same time, it's like, do you want to go back to where it's just a big freaking flag on it and the main colors? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Really? That's what you want to do? Go it's... back to the, for for the United States. Make it classic. Go back to the 1981. Correct. Just update it a little bit. Don't do this stupid freaking American Eagle looking justice for kids looking jersey that you have right now. I don't want to see Jake Gensel in that. Well, guess what? He keeps this tear up. He's gonna well. He's going to be on team. He's going to be on team USA, especially because Sullivan's the coach. Boy, you yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just all bad. Yeah, no. The to be to be completely honest, the worst of them all was the the Nashville one, the oh, Smashville yeah. one. It's so bad. Like I saw that, and I was like, "This is a joke." Did we look walk into Roman Yossi's like kids' kindergarten class and picked up a picture and was like, "Make this." Like, were they just trying to pick a fight with New Jersey? But no, they're like, no, this is real. Just like the the different sizes. Like I get what you, you get what you're going for, but the fact that that needs to be explained. To be fair though, I don't like any Nashville jerseys really. Their um, road jersey's okay. Their their normal road jersey is okay. It's hard when you try and make your base color yellow. Instead of a secondary color? Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of other teams that have yellow as the base color that they actually did it well, but I'm struggling right now. The, the Lakers. You you liked <laughs> the, the Lakers. Penguins alternate last year. I did like the Penguins alternate last year. But... Or the stadium series where they were wore where they wore yellow there. That was okay. Well, yeah, that, those were basically the same jersey. The only difference yeah. was I like the stadium series more because they had like the city of champions with the the Pennsylvania patch and stuff like that. There was a little the bit more detail was a little more on metallic, that. Metallic, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. We could probably sit here and pick through all the jerseys of the past like ten years, and it would take us eighty hours. All right, yeah. And but before we close out, do you want a news update? Because uh, Getzoff did mention it in our in the interview and. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, because he also just mentioned his name. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Gensel's absence from practice. Jake is going to be week to week with an upper body injury. So he had a broke. He has like a, something wrong with his hand. Then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's no bueno. Nope. So yeah, right right before we leave too. You know that's great. We couldn't have had that when we were previewing it. So Jake Gensel week to week, not great at all. We talked about it in the interview, and he has been. I mean, go back and listen to it. Josh Getzoff said it perfectly. He's been, like, otherworldly at this point. Kind of a cheat code. Yeah. And uh, now he, now he's going to be missing time to the injury. Yep. That sucks. So. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the, the Tip of the Iceberg. Way to finish on a depressing note, I guess. I mean, can't do anything about that. That's, that's the name of the game. Ups and downs. So, Jake Gensel out week to week. We will still see what the Penguins look like against the Washington Capitals on Friday night without Jake Gensel, without... Kenny Malkin without Brian Rust. We'll see what the lineup looks like. But for now, we say goodbye. We say thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend, Pence fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere 
you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.